It's time for another episode of Corner of the Galaxy from the Box. The show that gets you behind the scenes of the LA Galaxy and into the minds of soccer reporters and MLS experts. Your hosts for the day are Corner of the Galaxy's Josh Gessman and LA Times soccer reporter Kevin Baxter. Let's start the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Corner of the Galaxy from the Box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. I'm your host, Josh Gessman, coming to you from COG Studios on Monday, October 7th, after the LA Galaxy's 4-2 loss to the Houston Dynamo over the weekend, a loss that drops the Galaxy all the way to fifth in the final regular season standings, and that means an away game for the LA Galaxy coming up in the playoffs. We'll have all the details on that and get you ready for it. Going to talk about the Houston game, what went right, what went wrong, all those fun things as well, and a whole bunch of LA Galaxy news that gets you through. Let's see, almost 13, yeah, 13 days. 13 days between now as we're recording and the LA Galaxy facing off against Minnesota United on Sunday, October 20th. Again, a lot of stuff to get to, a lot of things we want to talk about, but before we do all that, want to chime in with our very special panda mr kevin baxter kev how's it going buddy i am coming to you from the northern los angeles county uh bureau of corner of the galaxy as you know that's right Um, spread all out and we're yeah known as my house and we're recording late on a monday because today i went and spoke to a journalism class at cal state long beach and the first question I had for them was, why are you doing this? Please leave. Get out of journalism. Go to business school. Go to uh, political science, wood shop. I don't even know if they still have wood shop. Plastic shop, whatever. Get out of here. But um, seeing all those bright young faces and enthusiastic and, and raring to go, it, it, it decided, I decided I'm going to be very positive today. I'm going to be very panda-esque, very warm and cuddly, and, and I'm going to take a positive uh, look at this Galaxy season because yes, they lost their last two games. They gave up eight goals total to the two worst teams in the Western Conference, and lost their home playoff game. By the way, uh, found out today that Malia Emma would have sung the national anthem if the Galaxy had played at home. Right. They lost all that, but I still have them. They're still my co-favorite to win MLS Cup because it was a lot of time. So that's my positive take on all this. That's it. So everybody should just turn it off now. Then we're that's it. Yeah, we're done. We're done. Okay. We're done. Good. There we go. See, that was easy. We can we can do that. All right. Uh, I can't believe that somebody asked you to go talk to a journalism class after they've they've read your writing. I mean, well, it... maybe they can't read. Maybe that's it. <laughs> maybe maybe that's maybe that's exactly what it is. All right. Uh, LA Galaxy four two losers to uh, the Houston Dynamo. Guillermo Barrascolota going with uh, some some interesting little changes here, Kevin. Um, it, overall. Uh, Obviously, I don't think anybody can sit there and say, oh, hey, that was a great game the Galaxy played. I, I know I can't say it. Um, I know you can't say it. So I- I'm sure that there's somebody out there in Twitter land, in podcast land, wherever, who was trying to figure out a way to make this sound uh, better than it was. But it was a it was an ugly game, despite the fact that the LA Galaxy took the early lead, despite the fact they got a goal from Zlatan Ibrahimovic and Christian Pavone, um, despite the fact they mostly weathered an injury, which I think is probably one of the bigger stories of this game that maybe isn't uh, being talked about as much to Gio Corona. Uh, Fabio Alvarez comes back from injury in this game and plays a whole bunch of minutes. Um, you had David Bingham came back and I, you know, how healthy he is. I'll, I'll tell you right now, it doesn't seem very healthy. Uh, he was, he wasn't, he wasn't exactly uh, taking all the goal kicks. Diego Polenta was there, but Guillermo Scaletto also did something, Kevin, that we haven't seen him do much of, which is again tweak the defense for the for the complete and and total um, you know sort of guide of of just tweaking the tweaking the defense. He he did it because he said, hey, this defense last week gave up you know four goals, um, so let's tweak it and let's see if we can fix it. And he went with Diego Polenta 
and uh, with uh, with People Gonzalez back there, which is a, a pairing that we have not seen that much of. As a matter of fact, I think people will be surprised. Do you know how many times Diego Polenta and and People Gonzalez have played at center back together, Kevin? If you had to guess, how many games do you think they did it? I would say three. Okay, so they did four games. You were actually closer. I th- yeah. In my well, mind, I was saying, oh man, they must have done that like ten times. Like, but it, but it has not happened this year at all. So four times. This was the fourth time. Uh, so three before this, and and the fourth time total um, that Polenta and uh, and People Gonzalez uh, sit right there next to each other. You had Rolf Felcher on the right, Dave Romney on the left. Um, you know, Jonathan Dos Santos, Joe Corona, who I mentioned, Sebastian Legette, Uriel Antuna, Christian Pavon, and Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Uh, I, I don't think anybody was surprised. Kevin uh, Roman Alessandrini did not make the trip. No, and you know what? I was thinking about that and talking to some people about that. Here's here's my take. I think he is he's ready to play now. He's trained, but I think I, I think Guillermo and the coaching staff looked at it and said, "Look, we they thought they had home field advantage, but in any case, they knew they were going to the playoffs. If you play Roman and he has any kind of issues, then you lose him for the playoffs. Why now they have another two weeks." an additional two weeks to get him ready, that two weeks can make a big difference, and he could make a big difference in the playoffs. And I, I really think that they did not want to roll the dice and say, look, we don't have a whole lot to gain here, and we have a ton to lose. And I think that's what happened. I think he was ready to play. I think he wanted to play, and I think they decided to err on the side of caution. But, you know, the other thing, too, in Houston, I don't know how much of an effect he would have had because it was brutally hot. And here's a guy that's not 100% fit. Right. I don't know how how good he would have been able to play anyways. No, I mean, that's an important part, and, and people screaming, and I saw it on Twitter. You know, I said, hey, it was 90-plus degrees, 40% plus humidity. I mean, a mild day in Houston terms somewhat. I mean, you know, 40% humidity on, uh, on a town that basically sits on the Gulf of Mexico. Um, isn't exactly, you know, a horrible thing. Um, but it is still very hot. It was very humid. I talked to a bunch of fans who traveled. I had people who DM me and said, listen, it was brutal. Um, it was hot. I thought I was going to get heat stroke just sitting in the stands. So all that stuff, that's not, that's, again, I think people like to use the word excuse because it's sort of like this blame culture where it's like, oh, well, you're using an excuse because you're trying to blame this. No, it's not an excuse and it's not, it's not, I'm not trying to blame. I'm saying these are the things that the Galaxy had to compete with. And for a team that like Houston, who had a superb home record, which we highlighted on last Thursday's show, a supreme, uh, a superb home record, Kevin, you expected them to play well in this game and they did play well in this game and they certainly used their quickness their speed to run the LA Galaxy into the ground because by the second half you could certainly see the Galaxy were, were a shell of themselves um, and, and well that- Houston may be in Houston may be in 10th place now in the, in the conference but they were 11th place going in but they have a really good home record and and that may be one of the places in MLS where there's a great home field advantage because of that heat and humidity and I grew up in Southern California I know about heat I lived in Miami for a while. I know about humidity, but you really have to go to Houston and feel it and experience. I was there for MLS Cup last last August, uh, and I've been to Texas a lot for baseball, especially Arlington. You really have to feel that summer heat and humidity to understand just how difficult it is. Wait, you were there for MLS Cup? What were you there for? Uh, U.S. Open. Oh, Did U.S. Open. Yeah, Cup? you said MLS. I was like, I was like, wait a minute, that doesn't that doesn't make U.S. Open Cup? Yes. U.S. Open Cup, okay. different cup. Don't worry, I forgot Cuppity that. Cup, cup. Don't, yeah. Last, last, uh, I've been getting grilled still, actually, and quite honestly, I deserve it for uh, my Thursday night not understanding that uh, Martin McChon, who played for the LA Galaxy, um, you know, I think in '98. Um, who was the guy who Christian Pavone was attempting to tie his consecutive games with an assist record? Um, but while ever uh, Machan played with with Miami, I screwed 
cleared that one up and everybody now has been yelling at me and rightfully so I don't get them all right especially some of the early ones I miss but anyway uh, so you know your MLS Cup thing I'm sure in August will just glide right over nobody will harp on that at all Panda I'm sure everybody leaves you alone anyway. well, as long as you keep bringing it up again and reminding everybody about <laughs> We'll see how that goes. Uh, anyway, Zlatan Ibrahimovic gets the initial goal on this. Um, you know, this is, if you're looking from the LA Galaxy standpoint, Kevin, this should have been, you know, an omen that the Galaxy were on the right path. Uh, it certainly seemed that way. Nine nine minutes in, uh, Zlatan from a planted foot uh, chips uh, the uh, the Tyler Derrick, the Houston Dynamo goalkeeper, uh, chips him to the far back post. It's a beautiful strike. It's, it's touch. It's everything. Moves Zlatan Ibrahimovic up to 30 goals. Uh, for the season. That's where he would end, although he hit the crossbar once and he probably missed another shot that he probably should have uh, buried as well. So uh, again, the Galaxy really feel like at this point through the first half, they controlled the tempo, they controlled the possession, they had everything going for them, and then they get into the you know two minutes of stoppage time in that first half when Christian Ramirez scores his first goal and it's a classic LA Galaxy meltdown late into the final minutes of something. Uh, and that really, so there's a bunch of things I think that changed the, the course of this game, Kevin, and, and I think that's, you know, obvious. It's an obvious thing to say as well, because any sort of big play that happens or doesn't happen changes the course of a game. But for me, it was the injury to Joe Corona, uh, Fabio Alvarez having to come off the bench in the 23rd minute to replace Joe Corona, who has officially a toe sprain. And I actually texted the Galaxy. I was like, hey, what's wrong with Joe Corona? And they're like, hey, it's a toe sprain. And I'm like, somebody's pulling my leg. It's not just a toe sprain. Like, for whatever reason, it just tickled my brain. I was like, that, that, it's not a toe. I'm like, really? Yeah, and they're like, I, I don't think I'm buying that either, to be honest. <laughs> it, well, I mean, if it, it probably is. It looks like he probably got stepped on. It looks like there was blood whenever we saw the, the, the sideline. So whether he got stepped on or however that, you know, then that would be a contusion. However you want to say it, that's a little, I'm, I'm, I'm I'm guessing at what I saw on the sidelines. I don't know, but officially the LA Galaxy tell me it's a toe sprain. I did confirm that in terms of, hey, that's a toe sprain. That could end up being a broken toe, Kevin, um, as well. So, you know, just the progression of that. But we haven't heard that from anybody yet. Um, but yeah. before you get too far away from Zalatan's goal, uh, you, you mentioned it's his 30 goal, 30th goal of the season. Yes, he did not win the Golden Boot. Carlos Bella did, but... It was an historic season, nevertheless. 30 goals at 29 games. He is only the third player in MLS history to score 30 goals in a season. Unfortunately, one of those two came this season with Vela, and then Josef Martinez last year with 31. So that was an historic season, and Zlatan is, you know, 14 of those goals have come in the last 10 games. Right. And again, going back to what we said at the beginning, this is why the, the Galaxy are my co-favorite to win the MLS Cup uh, because of Zlatan. And we'll talk about this later, but... Whenever I bring that up, people will say, well, if he's so great, if he can dominate games, why didn't he dominate Vancouver? Why didn't he dominate Houston? If he can take over games, the Galaxy should never lose. Yeah, there's a little bit of truth to that. But Zlatan, I don't want to say picks and chooses his spots, but I think when he when he stepped on the field and saw how hot and humid it was, uh, I, I think he may have uh, lost a little bit of his enthusiasm. But the, Zlatan plays best when he is super motivated, and he has said that too. He said sometimes he'll pick fights with players on the field to fire himself up. He needs to be motivated to perform well. It's not a secret why he plays so well against LAFC. That's the team that really motivates him. Um, and I, I the, the playoffs were clearly motivate him remember they didn't make the playoffs last year so um and he's talked about how you have to have a different mentality in the playoffs Zlatan's already talked himself into the importance of the playoffs so I think with Zlatan in the playoffs I think the Galaxy become a very very dangerous team 
They didn't beat Vancouver and they didn't beat Houston. Different situation. I think when the playoffs start, they'll be a different team. Yeah, now speaking as Latani Ibrahimovic, obviously sets the all-time LA Galaxy goal scorer record for a single season. Uh, finishes with 30 goals, 29 games played, 2,610 minutes. By the way, Kevin, 29 games played, 29 games started. He played every minute of every game that he started. Uh, all 90 minutes, he never had a substitute appearance ever in all of those 29 games, so 2,610 minutes total. He averaged at the end here uh, 1.03 goals per game and one goal every 87 minutes. This guy is 37 slash 38 years old, Kevin. 38 now. Yeah, and 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 I, I groan when I get out of this chair that I'm recording in, and this guy's out here doing things that no LA Galaxy player has ever done, and I think you and I have talked about it sort of ad nauseum. I don't want to keep bringing it up, but he did it in the most dominating fashion, uh, physically dominating, sometimes mentally dominating fashion that I've ever seen in, in such a way that it makes it look as if it, it wasn't hard for him. And I don't know if that's the case. I don't know if it was hard because he's made it look easy. Uh, and we'll get back to the Houston game and talk about, you know, him bouncing one off the crossbar um, and, you know, missing some other chances. But at the same time, what we saw during the regular season from Zlatan Ibrahimovic is something that I have never witnessed, um, you know, in any LA Galaxy uh, season that I've ever seen. And, you know, that includes Robbie Keane and Landon Donovan and everybody else uh, that sort of has come before that. Um, that, that just just his dominance in, in you know, this particular area. He literally looks like he can score anytime he wants to. Yeah. And, and that's maybe that's why it make, makes it look so easy. I wish... Uh, I think Galaxy fans wish that he would have would have scored a couple more, and that's that's sort of the whole thing. I talked about the injury to Joe Corona. Uh, certainly, Zlatan Ibrahimovic hitting his wide open shot down off the turf and off the crossbar was another sort of those game-changing moments. Sebastian Legette had one off the crossbar in the second half that was a game-changing moment that could have definitely brought the LA Galaxy into, uh, you know, back into the game. Uh, Christian Pavone hit one off the upright uh, that could have brought the LA Galaxy back into the game. When you look at this and, and sort of see, and there was a chart that came out today, it was sort of expected goals and I'm not a huge fan of expected goals, but I sort of understand what it's trying to tell me. But it was expected goals to goals, right? It was how many expected goals did teams have from the positions they were in this year and how many goals did they score? And it actually shows that the LA Galaxy were a bit unlucky this year. And I think this Houston game is a perfect example of that because I'm guessing expected goals probably had a pretty high percentage chance that Zlatan was going to score from just outside the six whenever he wasn't really touched. That, uh, you know, that uh, Christian Pavone from about six yards out wasn't going to hit the upright and he was going to sneak one in near post. I have to imagine that expected goals were higher than that. And these, it's in my mind, not scoring whenever expected goals says that you should probably score the chances of you scoring are really high sort of goes into like the luck quotient um in my mind and and maybe the la galaxy despite the fact that they've scored a bunch of goals this season kevin and i have a lot of stats i want to go over uh to sort of tie up what this la galaxy game uh what this la galaxy season was but despite all that you look at it and you say maybe the la galaxy were a little unlucky sometimes this year because it certainly seems like they were they had chances to score even more goals than they did well, I'm going to continue with my positive bent here and say, you mentioned Christian Pavone, who had the other goal. It's a lot of time Christian Pavone scored the goals Sunday in Houston. And you mentioned the seven games in a row when he had an assist. That streak came to an end, one short of tying the MLS record. But he scored a goal again. He scored goals in two of his last three games. As, as you said, he had a seven-game uh, uh, assist record snapped. This guy um, is really proven to be dangerous in 11 games he has uh eight goals and three assists so it, he's averaged at least one point in in all 11 games 
he is not challenging Zlatan. Zlatan is the leader of the offense, but Pavone is a good sidekick now. He's a dangerous player. He's very creative. Um, you know, I again, I just, I just think throw the records aside. You can look at a lot of numbers that prove a lot of uh, bad things, especially with the Galaxy going on the road. You know, they're five, ten, and two on the road record. That's tied for second worst among playoff teams. But again, Zlatan and now Pavone playing really well. I, I just think that they look dangerous. So uh, we talked about the injury to Joe Corona. We talked about Houston scoring in stoppage time. Um, now you really have to look at you know Pavone scoring with probably one of the better team goals the LA Galaxy have seen with Slaton and Legette and Fabio Alvarez and Uriel and Tuna all combining to get Pavone this easy goal. I mean, just moved Houston around the way that you expect the Galaxy should be able to do even in the playoffs. So 54th minute, the score is once again LA Galaxy 2-1. At this point, the LA Galaxy war slotted into the third position in the Western Conference had a home playoff game, Kevin, and looked pretty good. With Malia Emma singing the national anthem. With Malia Emma. And by the way, that might not be totally dead. I'll talk a little bit more about that, although we're certainly stretching whenever we talk about it. Uh, 62nd minute, the Galaxy concede again. And it's basically everything that has ever been wrong with the LA Galaxy defense this year happened in this play. Uh, they shifted to the near side. They didn't pick up the double, uh, you know, the the two guys on the back post. So Felcher has to go cover two guys. Uh, you know, Polenta isn't marking anybody. He's on the near post. Gonzalez is marking a guy who he should have pushed off to Polenta. Uh, Gonzalez cheats to the near post. Felcher's left with two players. Felcher has to make a play. And by the way, this was not Raw Felcher's game. Uh, he looked tired. Uh, he looked slow. He looked like he didn't really want to be there. And I think that Houston felt that and attacked him ad nauseum um, for this game over and over and over again. But Felcher doesn't make a great play on the ball. The ball gets by. Uh, and, you know, there it is. Back post. What do you know? Um, something that will once again uh, rear its ugly head. So, uh, yeah, Rolf Felcher gets beat on that backside and, and Houston ties it up. 65th minute is when Leggett goes off the crossbar. Um, then Polenta gets beat on the end line. And for some reason, he falls down and actually keeps the ball in play. Houston scores again again this is all just sort of you know LA Galaxy defense doing LA Galaxy defense things this year uh, it's a comedy of errors everything just sort of falls apart um, you know like I said Bingham couldn't even take the goal kicks and, and this this game falls apart for the Galaxy and listen it doesn't hurt that they were trying to play for the win here Kevin um, and they certainly have tried to play for the win I think every game this year and sometimes that has hurt them uh, in this particular case, anything other than a win would have dropped them pretty much that fifth spot. I don't think a, the draw wouldn't have kept them anywhere. RSL beat Vancouver, so that didn't help. Uh, Seattle ended up be beating Minnesota, so that didn't help. So everything sort of, as as much as things have gone the way of the LA Galaxy this year, Kevin, they did not in this particular game. They didn't get any help from other, any of those other games. And so the LA Galaxy finish in that fifth well, position. And the two goals that made the difference came within, I think one was in the 83rd minute, one in stoppage time. The Galaxy of the 59 goals they allowed this year, 18 have come between the 76th and 90th minute or stoppage time. Um, that's 31% of the goals they've given up in the last 15 minutes plus stoppage time of a game. That That's crunch time. That's when good teams win. And and again, you know, the mild criticism of, of Guillermo is I'm not sure his tactical management of, of, the, of the roster uh, and the team have been that good because right. – I don't know that he's making substitutions at the right time and getting fresh people on there or the fresh people he's sending on are not the right people because, again, 31% of the goals given up uh, in the 76th minute or afterward, that is not a good stat. Yeah, it's funny. I pulled that stat, too, because I was like, this is this seems like this is a trend, and it is a trend. Uh, like you said, 18 goals uh, between the 76th and the, 19th, and the 90th minute and then the stoppage, stoppage time. time. Yeah, or stoppage time. It all gets counted in that same bucket. I don't
don't know how that fares against the league. And people are asking me, they're like, well, what is that? How does that fare against the rest of the league? And it's like, you know, they don't provide me with full stats that I'm able to manipulate everywhere because I would love to do it. I would love to see all the different periods and you could compare all of them. Those are all opt stats. We get like little snippets of opt steps that they give us and sort of feed us. Although uh, I think you'll find here, Kevin, that I may have gone down a rabbit hole with stats today. Uh, as well. So maybe we'll get to, to some of those. So anyway, Galaxy lose 4-2. to two. Um, You know, I thought Fabio Alvarez had a great game coming in for Joe Corona. I think the Galaxy lose a bunch when Joe Corona goes out. I think that defensively they're not as stout because Corona is basically, he's not an equal to Jonathan Dos Santos, but he's a good complementary piece to Jonathan Dos Santos. So whenever you move Sebastian Legette besides Jonathan Dos Santos, it's not the same. They don't have the same dynamic. The defense isn't as strong. The ability to break up the counterattack isn't as strong. Sebastian's more of an off Offensive threat, a go-forward guy, and I think that right now Sebastian Legette is a better go-forward guy than Fabio Alvarez. So Fabio Alvarez comes in, and I thought he had a really good game, uh, but that being said, I think it hurts the LA Galaxy on that defensive side, and certainly on the side that Corona normally sits, which is on that right sort of middle of the midfield. If you looked at, you know, the, the Houston attacking the Antuna and Felcher side, that's certainly a place that Joe Corona could have been used um, in those spots. You know, before we get away from the defense too much, a couple of other interesting notes, and I'm all over the stats, you know that. Yep. Um, the Galaxy, they're back to a negative goal differential again yep. by being outscored, by giving up eight goals in the last two games. They're now minus one. New England is the only other playoff team that has a negative goal differential. That's not a good stat. That's not a good look. Um, and um, there's only one other playoff team. Or the only, they're the only playoff team that will go into the playoffs, which, again, a long ways away. But they're the only team that will go into the playoffs coming off consecutive losses. And the 59 goals they allowed are the most of any playoff team. So, uh, again, you know, you can, you can make an argument with the numbers. Um, the defense looks to be really the Achilles heel, especially the way that it's played lately with going into the playoffs with the two losses and the eight goals allowed. No other playoff team has anything remotely close to that. Well, we, I mentioned it. I had you guess how many times, you know, uh, uh, Diego Polenta and People Gonzalez had played next to each other in games. I said this was their fourth game. So when, in those four games that they play next to each other. Now, these are only for center back stats. So if Diego Polento is playing out left back, I didn't capture that. Uh, you know, if Dave Romney is playing out at, at the left back, I didn't capture that. I only counted these guys whenever they were playing in center back. So we're looking at center back pairings. But if you look at the four games that Diego Polenta and People Gonzalez have played next to each other, uh, they've allowed, or they've the, the Galaxy have scored nine goals. They've allowed 13 for a goal differential of minus four. There was one home game and, four, and, and, and three away games, I believe is what it ends up being. Um, so whenever you look at that, they finish at uh, 0.25 points per game uh, whenever Diego Polenta and People Gonzalez play next to each other. And I should note it, note that they have never won a game with those two at center back in the center back pairing. Okay. So having said that, then I think, Kevin, everybody's obvious answer is, well, what is, you know, our obvious question is, what is the best uh, center back pairing? And I don't know if we have a great answer for it, but we certainly have a lot of data that points to, you know, Dan Steris and Diego Polenta being those center backs um, and in that position. Right now, uh, that has happened 18 games. So 18 games those two have played next to each other. They've got earned 35 points for a points per game of 1.94. It's 36 goals for, 27 goals against, and a goal differential of a plus 9. They get a little bit of an advantage, 11 home games and 7 away games. We know the Galaxy have been better at home than they have away, but certainly that pairing seems to have been the tried and true pairing that that perhaps Guillermo Barrichello should have stuck with in this game 
game against Houston. I think it was an overreaction, quite honestly, to bench Dan Steris, and I've been told coach's decision on that, Kevin. There was no injury. Um, I asked the question and was told coach's decision on that one. So, And you can't argue that he's resting them for the playoffs because they got 13 days off. Yeah, yeah. There's there's, there's plenty of time in between there. Uh, the, other, the other pairings that sort of come in here, we have Steris and Gonzalez. Uh, nine points from eight games, 1.125 points per game, nine goals for, 14 goals against, against a minus five goal differential that ends up being a split of four home and four away games. Uh, there's interesting people have said, why don't you play five at the back? Let's see five at the back. Uh, the Galaxy did play Steris, Polenta, and Gonzalez as a three-man uh, a three-man center back grouping in a five-man back line. Of course, it had uh, Julian Araujo and Didi Traore on the left-hand side. That was one game only. The Galaxy lost that game to New York City. So uh, I don't know if that's a real good sort of sample size there. Steris and Romney Kevin, if you want a perfect pairing, that's it. That's mine. That's it. so three points from one game that they played. Uh, two goals for zero goals against a plus Shut two, up. a plus two goal differential, uh, and it was uh, that means that their points per game average is three point oh, uh, and it was now, it was on okay. the road. That's never going to happen because they spent a lot of money and Guillermo put his reputation on the line to bring in Polenta and Giancarlo. So that's not going to happen, but. I do think that you can argue that given those two, their history of those two, and the way that they carried the Galaxy down the stretch last season, once they got paired at center back, I do think you can make an argument that that may be the best pairing. I don't think it's ever going to happen again, right. but I do, I do think you can make the argument that with and, – and history tells us this too because when the Galaxy had Omar and, and AJ, they might not have been the most physically talented pair – uh, to put together in the in central defense, especially a center back at, at AJ size, that just looked very bizarre. But you know they were roommates and colleagues. They played together three years at Maryland. They come into MLS. They know each other. They were deadly. Remember that 2000 was it the 2011 team when the Galaxy didn't give up any goals, or maybe it was 2012. One of those MLS Cup years, they had the best one of the best defenses in MLS history. Those two guys were the anchor of that. Um, I, I do think Steris and Romney are, would probably be the the best pairing. And I don't think you're going to see it. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll be honest. The data, at least this year, doesn't really you know, give you much to work on. They did it one game. I, I thought this was interesting, though. In two games, Gonzalez has been paired with Dave Romney. Um, and that ended up with three points from two games and a 1.50 points per game total. Um, How many goals did they give up? They, gave, the they gave up, uh, let's see, goals against three, goals for two. Um, so a no. minus one goal differential on that one. Two away games, by the way. Both of those are away games. So, um, you know, I was having a talk and a text conversation with the hammer because we were talking. I was doing all these stats and he was calling me crazy for you should have seen the worksheets I had that were like trying to figure out all this stuff. So I was going through it and I was sort of telling, he told me to stop texting him because he was working. And I said, that's ridiculous. You, you'll pay attention. Um, so we were going through all this stuff. And I said, you know, I believe that, you know, I think there's a lot of sort of angst uh, or, or maybe even hate towards people Gonzalez because the results when he's on the field haven't been favorable. Um, you've seen it over and over again. I don't believe that that Gonzalez is a bad defender. Um, in fact, I think that he's played well in a lot of cases. I just don't think he has his complementary piece. And I think this is that's the same with Diego Polenta. I think Diego Polenta has played well this year. But I don't know that Dan Steris is the perfect complementary piece. They don't have that. And I kept using this, this uh, you know, sort of a way of saying it and 
may, I think this ties in with you, is that, you know, Diego Polenta's looking for his A.J. De La Garza. He's looking for that complementary piece. He's looking for that guy who has different skills and different qualities that can complement what Diego Polenta does. So that way, when Diego Polenta goes to do something, you know, this guy always has his back. And that's what A.J. De La Garza made Omar Gonzalez look like a world beater for so many years. Um, you know, I think the same is with people Gonzalez is that, you know, Diego Polenta is not that complimentary piece. And maybe Dan Starrs isn't that complimentary. Maybe the Galaxy don't have that complimentary piece in center back. Um, but I thought it was, uh, it was really sort of an interesting take on, on some of this stuff. If you want to know, by the way, the defender who has the, uh, the best points per game. Now, I only did the center backs in the center back position again. I didn't do all of it. So um, center back stats only. Starrs, Polenta, Gonzalez, or Romney. Who has the most... Who has the best points per game at center back? Who would you guess? Steris, Polenta, Gonzalez, or Romney? I'm going to say Polenta. All right. you. So Polenta is actually third on this list. Oh, which, my goodness. Which is kind of, listen, you're going to be like, duh. Hey, Josh, you're kind of you're kind of missing the point on this one. I, I kind of agree. So Steris has the best points per game. He's, well, that's not true. Even that Dave Romney has the best points per game, but he only has three games at center back this year, but he has a 2.0 points per game. Okay. So Dave is the number one. Number two is Dan Steris. 28 games at center back, 47 points, 1.67 points per game. Diego Polenta has 30. 36 points from 23 games, so 1.56 points per game. And as we talked about, People Gonzalez, 13 points from 15 games or a 0.86 points per game. That's well, what, you, what you're talking about, the pairings. I mean, if, if we're if we're noticing this, certainly Guillermo and, and Dominic Kinnear and the coaching staff has noticed this. And this will go into something that that um, just a, maybe foreshadowing what we're going to be talking about this winter. But that's going to go into what's going to happen this offseason. And, and it's going to figure into whether or not Zlatan comes back. Because as we've talked about, I really believe that Dennis and Guillermo have a multi-year plan to rebuild this team. This is step one. They've just laid the foundation. They're not even quite done with that. Uh, I think they they know that these guys are not uh, these these pieces don't fit together well. They're going to go out this this winter and try to get the pieces that they need to complement the guys they already have. They're going to need money to do that. They're going to need to perhaps change the the playing style, and that's where I think there's going to be some long hard conversations this winter. Yes, Zlatan is the most dominant player in MLS history. He is 38. He just had a great season. The Galaxy wouldn't even uh, be anywhere near the playoffs without him, I don't think. But does he stall? Does If he comes back, does he stall this multi-year rebuilding process that Guillermo has? And do we go another year with having guys playing with pieces that don't complement them and, and not being the finished product? And then that's another year of Giancarlo Santos, uh, Giancarlo Gonzalez and Diego Polenta, another year where – you know, they're not their best because they don't they're not surrounded with the players that I'm sure that that Guillermo told them was going to were going to be brought in uh, when they signed those guys. And I, I said, Giancarlo Stanton again. See? Yeah, I know you, you're, baseball you're baseball. You're a baseball guy. We understand. It's deep. It's deep in your blood. You wrote you wrote a book, didn't you? You have a book. I did. I yeah. did. I have a baseball book. Yeah. See, I mean, that's a, that's a thing you can't just, you know, shake out of you, despite the fact that you probably need to. Uh, the LA Galaxy's finished with 51 points in 2019, Kevin. Uh, that's just three points better than 2018. So whenever you're trying to put all this together in your head, let's go over these 2019 to 2018. You're looking at the progression. You're saying, okay, 2018 was an improvement over 2017, but 2017 was god-awful, horrible year. 2018 was an improvement. 2019, is it an improvement? Uh, three points better in 2019 than 2018. Uh, that eventually looks at three wins better 
in 2019 than 2018. Three losses worse than in 2018. Um, and six draws worse than in 2018. Uh, but when you look at that and how it goes out, winning is the key to everything. Winning's worth three points, and that's why it is. So the Galaxy, with all their wins, actually end up just three points. But, but that's just three points. That's a single win. That's the game that they lost to Houston last year, Kevin, that kept them out of the playoffs. That's the only difference between last year and this year right now. Uh, the standings may have changed. The Western Conference got, I think, more difficult and certainly a little more top-heavy. So so that certainly factors into it. But whenever you're trying to put all this into perspective, that's what you have to remember. The LA Galaxy 2019 are just three points better. Does it feel like they're much better than 2018? Or does it, the three points seem like they're basically the same as 2018? Well, I... I th- that's a difficult question. Yeah. I, I feel like they're better, and I yeah. think the reason is is because I feel like there's a plan now, um, which I guess kind of goes back to what we were just talking about. But uh, I felt like in, in 2017, there was no plan. When they, they did the youth movement thing, there was no plan. They had no idea, um, and it, it was obvious. Last year, I think they were just – it felt like they were just trying to turn things around. It was a makeshift operation. Ziggy had some plans. And he talked about that uh, between 2017 and 2018, things that he wanted to do. He was very open before he got fired. He was very open about how he was only halfway there. So it felt like a work in progress. But it didn't feel like there was this uh, blueprint like there is now. I I feel like Dennis and Guillermo can tell you where they're going to be in three years and how they're going to get there. And they have a roadmap on how to make that happen. So when you look at the numbers, you may say, yeah, there's not a big difference. They are in the playoffs. That's a big difference. They are in the playoffs. They weren't in the playoffs last year. But it does feel like things uh, are better because I feel like they know where they're going now, which I didn't feel that way before. This is his first step on the road. Guillermo said he wanted to get to the playoffs. He never, ever talked about winning it. Now, that doesn't mean he doesn't want to win it. Right. But I feel like he's happy. First goal has been accomplished. Yeah, yeah. It's a stepping stone. I, and I, you get that, and you get that feeling from you know basically how the season goes i'll tell you the la galaxy are eight goals worse in in terms of scoring 66 goals in 2018 58 in 2019 but they're five goals better on defense i guess if that's something you want to feel proud about in this defense uh 64 goals in 2018 59 goals in 2019 that is trending down by the way 67 in 2017 64 in 2018 59 in 2019 i mean you know but that's still the most of any playoff team that's that's it's, way it's, too it's, much it's way too much i tried to make it sound positive i was just trying i could see i could see the graph in front of me charting trending down i'm like oh so that's not bad uh the galaxy finished 2019 with 1.50 points per game exactly uh the all-time la galaxy average every season of the 24 years is 1.53 so technically speaking they're just underneath uh, all the rest of the uh, the average of uh, LA Galaxy teams and how they did. This one I thought well, was interesting. What, what yeah. about the, I'm sorry to cut you off, but what about the 16 wins? Because we talked about they didn't play to any draws this season, but I think 16 wins has got to be, certainly it's not in record territory, but it's got to be pretty, uh, a lot of Bruce Arena teams didn't win more than 16 games. Yeah, Bruce was Bruce was much more, um, you know, sort of a, a level-headed sort of guy whenever it came to winning games. Yes, they won games, um, but the, all on the road, they were very good at getting points. And I, I think that's the only thing that's sort of missing from this Galaxy team. And I don't know if it's going to be in their DNA. But yeah, I mean, the, listen, the wins are the only reason that this LA Galaxy team is three points better than what it was last year. And we could say, oh, they're one win better. But, but you know, bottom line is there are a lot of wins 
Ravens better. Um, like I said, they were, what, six wins? Was it six wins? Uh, three, three wins better. So that's really nine points that they gained from wins that they didn't have last year, um, just offset by the lack of draws and the, the total number of losses as well. I mean, I think that's a positive. Uh, I think that if you've learned anything this season, it's that the, the basic math, as, as you say, is that a win is worth three points and a draw is worth one point. Um, so, you know, going for a win every time can be beneficial as the LA Galaxy have seen. The Galaxy could have finished this year in third place in the Western Conference, Kevin, um, which would have, you know, m sort of made that standing. A another three points for the LA Galaxy here takes it to 54 points, and all of a sudden, you know, it's a it feels like a much better year. Um, but that didn't happen, and so you're at 51, so it does bring at least into the question of how much better this team is from last year. I tend to think that this team is much better than last year. Uh, the results just don't always show that, and I think that's what you're seeing a little bit, and that's one of the reasons that I can almost get on the uh, the Panda train over here whenever you say, you know, the Galaxy are co-favorites for, for an MLS Cup. I, I can understand why you say that way. I'm not sure I feel the same way, but I understand how dangerous this LA Galaxy team can what? be. Here's some more evidence for that. If they had won one of these last two games, which, come on, they, at least one of those two, they would have finished with 17 wins. That would be second in the – forget the points. That would be second in the conference. And I think uh, there's a couple teams in the Eastern Conference, New York City and Atlanta, that had 18. So LAFC, the two top teams in the in the East, with 18, and the Galaxy was 17. So they're right there. They're one of the top four teams in the league. But then when you look at, again, not taking advantage of the opportunities they had, the Galaxy lost 15 games this season, right? Eight of those were against teams that didn't finish with a winning record. Um, yeah. Not necessarily a losing record, 500. But So more than half of their losses came against teams at the bottom of the conference. Seven of those 15 losses came against non-playoff teams. What that tells me is it goes back to the Zlatan thing we were talking about earlier. How can Zlatan dominate LAFC, the best team in the league, and can't get a you know and loses back-to-back -back games to Vancouver and Houston? Zlatan has to be sort of challenged and enthused and and uh, you know excited and inspired. And I think the Galaxy follow that lead. Teams they're supposed to beat. They don't beat. They they lost to Colorado twice, right? They lost yeah. to Houston and Vancouver these last two games. They lost twice to San Jose. Mm -hmm. Teams that they should have beaten, they didn't beat. Teams that they are, are, are evenly matched against, they play very well. LAFC, um, they played very well against them. So that's another reason to sort of feel good going into the playoffs, that maybe, maybe this won't be uh, the fact that they lost the last two games of the regular season against poor teams to – forfeit the home field advantage maybe that's not such a bad it is a bad thing but there's no reason to run out and slit your wrist just yet well okay so you just gave everybody a lot of positive reasons why they should be feel good about the la galaxy going that's to minnesota why I'm the panda. that's why you're the panda you're positive panda today that's that's your that's your new nickname positive panda we're going to go with that um so positive panda gives you all that now uh negative pato over here is going to tell you uh that the la galaxy just had one of their worst away records since 2015 and they're actually one point worse on the road this year kevin than they were in 2017 where they had the worst record in franchise history. All right, the LA Galaxy finished with 17 points in 2019. In 2017, they had 18 points. Uh, in 2018, they had 20 points. In 2015, they had 12 points. All right, that's how far you sort of have to go before this, this road record really sorts of, you know, falls on its face. The Galaxy averaged 1.0 points per game on the road, and their historic average is 1.2. So, 
Um, you know, again, the Galaxy, not great on the road, but as you said, competing against teams that uh, that are, can play them tough, look at the Real Salt late game if you want to look for positive things. Uh, going to RSL, going to a place at altitude, going to a place where you needed to get a win and you got a win. Um, so that's something that I think you can sort of look and sort of shade towards uh, Minnesota as, as we start to sort of, you know, peer in that direction. Um but I wanted tell to get, them about, tell them about what you discovered. What about the field and oh, well, just and just let it just, yeah, just <laughs> let it let it sit for a little bit. Let, there is something about the field there. People know if they follow me on Twitter, but we I want to get to I want to I still have something that I think is a little Minnesota tie-in. Well, I want to get to first. You know who follows you on Twitter religiously? Yeah, who's that? Larry Morgan. Larry Larry stalks me on Twitter. There's a difference. He doesn't have a Twitter he does. account. Okay. Um, Larry Morgan, by the way, was over at my house on on Sunday. He was watching it at the at the Pato residence um, because he, oh, because he doesn't shoot. get Spectrum. You know what? My invitation got lost in the mail you, for the Galaxy viewing party. You, I guess you were you were busy. You were busy. Oh. Um, all right, uh, David Bingham, uh, LA Galaxy goalkeeper. We talked about him being injured, but he did finish with the most saves in Major League Soccer in 2019. And that is sort of one of those sad trombones facts. That's great for David Bingham, uh, who made 141 saves in his 33 games played, just short of 34 games because he missed the one game. So 33 games played, 2,970 minutes, Kevin. Uh, 141 saves, 195 shots faced. Guess who's number two? Do you have I, you know like Evan Bush? No, no, it's not, and that's an interesting one. The guy who finished second happens to be the goalkeeper for Minnesota United, Vita Monone. Oh, wow. uh, he, he has 129 saves, uh, and he faced 175 shots. Um, so that is the the first and second in there, which of course led me down a little rabbit hole, Kevin. And I apologize for going down the rabbit hole, but I wanted to because everybody talks about whether or not they think David Bingham is a good goalkeeper or not, but nobody ever actually does the legwork to see what his stats say. And whether or not the stats tell you the whole story here, I'm not sure, but I figured I'd at least put it out there. So if you're going to look at goals against average uh, in Major League Soccer, uh, David Bingham finished with a 1.67 goals against average. All right. That 1.67 goals against average makes him 16th in Major League Soccer right now. Okay. Wow. So that's not great. Okay. Not great at all. However, let's go to another stat. Let's go to save percentage. So remember, uh, David Bingham has the most saves in Major League Soccer, and it's because he faced the most shots as well. 195 shots, 141 saves. David Bingham finished this season fourth in Major League Soccer in save percentage among goalkeepers with 2,000 minutes or more. I had to sort of put a set of ceiling on it or, or a, a bottom, and I wanted to get the best of the best in that. So, And trust me, there are some big names that sort of go 1 through 10 um, in that. And, you know, uh, Bill Hamid is in there and Tyler Miller is in there. So, I mean, there's some good goalkeepers. But David Bingham, fourth in, in save percentage, but 16th in goals against average, which means, at least in my mind, it once again points to that David Bingham is making saves that he should be making. Uh, in fact, his save percentage shows you. In fact, the number of saves that he made um, shows you. But the fact that he had to face 195 shots uh, really sort of goes to the to the goals against average being 16th, which is 1.67, because he's been barraged this year, 
Kevin. He's been he's been attacked. This is the old Dan Kennedy argument at Chivas USA, really, that you have to make because the defenses for Chivas USA were so bad that Dan Kennedy was getting shelled consistently, and he was a good goalkeeper that couldn't keep the ball out of the back of the net because his defense was so bad. And right now, with David Bingham over these last couple seasons, that's exactly what you've been seeing. I think that David Bingham is a an average to above average goalkeeper in Major League Soccer. I think he can probably go into the top five if he has a good defense in front of him. But we haven't seen that, so that's what those those stats tell me um, that he's not the worst in the world. That most of these probably aren't his fault, but at the same time, he's making the saves he should. But the ball's still getting in the back of the net. You know, you bring up a good point with Dan Kennedy. I, I unfortunately had to watch some of those Chivas games, and they were dismal. But Dan Kennedy one year was voted second to the second team. Best 11. In other words, his peers thought he was the second best goalkeeper in MLS. And he gave up, I think, 59 or 60 goals that year. That's what uh, his peers thought of him. So the idea that you're giving up a lot of goals, if you're facing a lot of shots, you're still going to be a really, really good goalkeeper. Dan Kennedy was that. Yeah, uh, Steve Clark, by the way, is uh, is was number one in save percentage uh, for Portland, seventy seven point one percent. Bill Hamid, seventy five percent save percentage uh, with DC United. I think Bill Hamid might be the front runner for goalkeeper of the year right now. Uh, Vito Manone from Minnesota, seventy three point seven percent. So you have Crepeau from Vancouver at seventy one point seven. Stefan Fry at seventy point three. Tyler Miller, sixty nine point nine. Brian Rowe, by the way, Brian Rowe got shelled this year as well. Uh, whenever you look at what he was doing for Atlanta, or excuse me, Orlando, um, he was at 68.8% save percentage. So again, I mean, you can sort of go down these and, and pick and choose your stats and sort of where they all fall. Um, the number one in goals against average, Tyler Miller over at LAFC, 69.9%. Steve But Clark, that's because his defense was so good. It's exactly yeah, your point. Yeah, yeah. Tyler Miller, 1.0 goals against. Uh, Steve Clark, 1.04. Bill Hamid, 1.12. Nick Romando, 1.21. Again, you can see where the good defenses are and how that can help your goals against average and how having a bad defense is going to hurt you. So um, that was that was most of my stats. Um, you know, there, yeah. And there's a philosophical thing. You know, Bob Bradley's team at LAFC plays a lot. They're not the same team. I get it. The philosophy is what I'm talking about. The game plan. They try to be a Barcelona team. And when I was at Barcelona in February and I went to La Masia and talked to the academy people, I noticed that no none of the players were practicing defense. Even the the... The outside backs and center backs were were practicing how to dribble and go forward. And I asked one of the coaches, I said, how come no one's practicing defense? He said, we don't practice defense. If you Our defense is if you lose the ball, you win it back. Right. And you see LAFC playing that. And uh, the point about this is it, I think that's what Guillermo wants to do, and they're not there yet. But the idea of LA or the Galaxy having a philosophy and a style of the way they want to play defense – that's really not where Guillermo is. That's not what he coaches. He coaches the idea of we don't play defense. When we lose the ball, we win it back. And I think that's where you're seeing the Galaxy's defensive tr- struggles is they don't have the personnel quite yet to play the the, the, the aggressive style uh, that that Guillermo wants to play. And when you talk about those save percentages, you look around the league and you see those guys with that low save percentage, that's what they have. They don't have these four guys that sit back and play defense. They have guys that rush forward and win the ball back when they lose it. And so there aren't any shots that go. You look at the number of shots Tyler Miller faced, and uh, th- that's like a good week for David Bingham. Yeah, it, it has been. And certainly you can look at that. I'll, I'll say this. You you look at, you go back and you watch the Spectrum coverage, and Guillermo's halftime sort of talking about moving the line of confrontation up higher. And that is directly 
exactly, you know, sort of responsible. What you're saying, Kevin, is that, you know, Guillermo wants to challenge that ball ball in the in the offensive end. So if you lose the ball, um, you know, you're you're losing the ball in their offensive end and you're trying to turn it over quickly again. So that way they can't get on the counter. They can't run against your defense. Um, and I think that right now that's been one of the problems is Guillermo's trying to force that to happen. And maybe you need to force it to happen if you're trying to build, you know, this 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 way of doing things, you know, this style of play. Maybe you force it and understand that you don't have the right pieces, but you're going to play it to a fault. But in doing so, Guillermo's lost a lot of points this year um, from trying to do that and trying to press guys up into the... I mean, very often with the LA Galaxy on defense, you're seeing one, you know, two defenders back, two central defenders that are being pulled in either direction with Jonathan Dos Santos trying to get back and split in between those two defenders. That way there's three defenders. I mean, the counterattack is going to kill the LA Galaxy. Now, having said all that, them on the road, the Galaxy on the road, God, they really should have been a better road team this year, Kevin. They should have been because the Galaxy are a much better counterattacking team than they are a possession-based team right now. Um, and, you know, letting Ariel Antuna run and letting Christian Pavone run and, you know, parking Zlatan Ibrahimovic at the penalty spot once you once you get those guys into space and in, is a way for the LA Galaxy to win MLS Cup. If they want to do it and they're dedicated to playing that type of game, especially on the road, you're going to have Minnesota who's going to try to counter, but they're also going to hold more possession. If the Galaxy can sort of sit back and be patient and run on the counter, I think the Galaxy could really do some damage. All right. Uh, I want to get to some more Galaxy team stats, and I'm just going to run these, run through these real quick, just so that way you can understand where the LA Galaxy sort of fell um, this year in Major League Soccer. Uh, so let's just run some of these. Maybe some of these will be surprising. Maybe some of them won't, Kevin. Uh, let me know if any of them are surprising. So uh, the LA Galaxy were 16th in fouls committed. They had committed 383 fouls. Uh, first in that category is 467 from New York City FC. Uh, the LA Galaxy were 24th, dead last in fouls suffered. We've talked about that many times. First was the New York Red Bulls, 455. The Galaxy had 306 just to sort of show the differences between those two. Uh, the Galaxy were second in assists, 62 total assists to LAFC 75. They finished first. Uh, Galaxy were 11th in shots, 469 shots, seventh in shots on goal, 173, uh, sixth on percentage on target. So the LA Galaxy, 36.9% um, for, for shots on target. And first was New York City FC at 38.2%. I didn't want you to think there was some large, ridiculous, um, you know, sort of thing uh, going on there. The Galaxy finished tied for third in goals scored with 58. They tied, or they finished third in penalty kick goals and seven. Uh, first in that was LAFC with nine. The Galaxy are fifth in penalty kick attempts with eight. Uh, let's see, 18th in goals against at 59. We talked about that. And 14th in goal differential at minus one. So the Galaxy finished basically a, a little bit below the, the halfway line there uh, in terms of goal differential. So those were the, the stats. The one that surprises me are assists. It makes sense because a lot of those crosses delivered in the box for Zlatan, that's the way they've played. So assists are going to come out of that. But I, I, it, when I think of Zlatan goal, it, I, I just think of him dribbling into into the box by himself and and just Rarely forcing his way through some players and scoring himself. I don't think of the, the clearly the number of assists that uh, that 
he needed to set those up. Yeah, and and that rarely happens with Zlatan, which which is you know again interesting to sort of look at. Uh, the assists are important. That means that the LA Galaxy goals were probably more team goals than people really want to realize. Uh, it's also a great sort of counter to anybody who says that the LA Galaxy are just one player, which is Zlatan Ibrahimovic. A lot of people had to provide those balls uh, to Zlatan in order for him to score. And again, thirty goals. Uh, there's sixty-two assists in there, so you can see um, sort of how how those numbers all fit in together. All right. Uh, LA Galaxy Internationals right now, Kevin. Some interesting, I don't know, I think it's an interesting development. This is one of those new-to-me things because um, I didn't pick up on it right away, but we did get a press co- uh, press release on it today. So I want to talk about Efrain Alvarez, but I also want to talk about the LA Galaxy's international call-ups as a whole. So Sebastian Legette, Uriel Antuna, Rolf Felcher, Giancarlo Gonzalez all get called up for this FIFA international break. Uh, all the players should have departed from the game on Sunday night or departed on Monday, and all players will return before the Galaxy go to Minnesota. Let's say that again, because I keep seeing all these tweets that saying, oh, we're going to be missing all these. No, you're not. All players will return before the Galaxy go to Minnesota on October 20th. Now, one of these players is going to go and not come back. Efrain Alvarez has been called up for the U-17 World Cup by Mexico. Um, So he will be joining the Mexican youth national team, the U-17 team, as they go to, uh, I believe, Argentina, um, which is where the U-17 World Cup is going to be held. So he'll depart for Buenos Aires, Argentina on October 8th. Uh, He has group stage games for Mexico on on October 28th, October 31st, and November 3rd, Kevin. And Alvarez will stay with Mexico for the remainder of the tournament, effectively ending his LA Galaxy season. So, Efrain Alvarez with the U-17 uh, Mexico national team is basically done for the rest of the year. That 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 doesn't feel right in some ways, Kevin. And it also is probably makes a whole bunch of sense. But in, in my mind, this seems like the, the Galaxy didn't have to release him. But they released him. They're giving him the chance, and he's going to be gone, and that's really it for the rest of the season for, for Efrain. I have a theory about that. Yeah, go for it. Um, you notice that uh, Jonathan has not been called up. He's been called up to every camp since Tato Martino took over the senior national team and was on the World Cup team and all this stuff. Um, so you can make the argument that, yeah, Tato Martino has seen what he's going to see from him. Uh, um, Jonathan has played extremely well uh, for Mexico this year. And so you could say, well, he's, you know, again, Tato Martino has seen what he's going to see from him. He doesn't really need to see him again. Let's look at some young players. And he did call some young players up for these Nations League games. But I'm wondering, too, you know, Dennis has such a close relationship with the people of the Federation. I wonder if there was some horse trading, like – um, we really want Efrain, and then uh, Dennis would say, "Well, yeah, you can have him, but you know, you guys got to help me out too. How about if you don't call Jonathan up? How about if you give him a two-week break before the playoffs start? Uh, yeah, you can have Antuna. He's 22, 21. We don't care, but leave our old guy, leave our, our vice captain home to get ready for the playoffs." I don't know that that happened. You can certainly argue it didn't because you could say that it, Mexico just wanted to look at a young team. But the fact that they, they decided that Efrain Alvarez could go up and they weren't going to protest and they were going to lose him for the, the, the rest of the season, whether it's one game or four games, and Jonathan didn't get called up for the first time, kind of interesting yeah it is at least a little bit interesting so anyway um yeah jonathan dos santos stays home so he gets a rest during this time uh he'll be ready for that october 20th game uh to rock and roll there now uh some other traveling news not necessarily international news but i guess international in terms of traveling to another country zlatan ibrahimovic uh from what i'm told is not in the united states right now uh zlatan flying to malmo sweden uh where he will be unveiling a statue of himself 
um, in Malmo there, uh, and he he basically put out a tweet and says, you know, Zlatan gives free to all young people from Malmo schools to attend the ceremony. So Zlatan released everybody from uh, school there, and they're going to be unveiling his statue in Malmo, Sweden. By the way, this seems like perfect timing to me. Uh, the Galaxy on a little bit of a, a rest and recovery sort of situation right now in terms of training, um, and I can give you, you know, the sort of the, the training guidelines of everything that's going on right now um, because the weekly schedule has the team off on Monday as we're recording. Uh, it shows them training on Tuesday, but I imagine that's going to be a pretty light day. I thought it was interesting. They actually list a closed training on Wednesday, October 9th, which is humorous because I don't know that you can do that, but they did it, so it's fine. Um, it's it's not an important thing anyway. But anyway, a closed training. Then Thursday, they show training at 10 a.m. Friday, shown, shown training at 8 a.m. Then they're sort of uh, to be determined on Saturday, the team off on Sunday, and a to be determined on Monday, October 14th. So the Galaxy are in rest and recovery mode right now. And so Zlatan probably flying on a private jet over to Malmo, Sweden, getting a lot of rest as he does so. Uh, lands in Sweden, able to unveil his statue, do some things, uh, kiss some babies, uh, and then head back to uh, the United States where he can pick up training with the LA Galaxy, which, Kevin, I think you and I can both agree, Zlatan at this point doesn't need to train for the rest of the year. He's sort of where he's going to be at. Well, yeah, and he hasn't really been training that much anyways. But uh, people are going to wonder, so i got to ask you. Uh-huh. You can put down the rumors or fuel the rumors, whatever you want. So he goes back to Malmo. We know that he wants, well... We understand that he wants to finish his career in Malmo where it started. Um, they're giving him a statue. Right. Uh, there's talk about maybe his, you know, his contract with the Galaxy is up. Is this the precursor to him uh, announcing he's leaving to go back? He doesn't have a statue in front of Dignity Health Sports Park. That's David Beckham's statue. Yeah, uh, I don't. Sure. I mean, it could be. I don't think so. Uh, I still feel like there's a pretty good chance that Zlatan comes back. Um, it just sort of feels that way to me. I don't know. You know, some people say, hey, if the Galaxy get bounced in the first round, would Zlatan come back? And I'm like, M- I don't know. Maybe. Depends on sort of how it happens. You know, um, certainly somebody said that, you know, a short stay is a Zlatan sort of hallmark, right? I mean, Zlatan doesn't, usually doesn't over overstay his welcome there, Kevin. So seeing him depart, uh, you know, now from the LA Galaxy wouldn't be unheard of. Uh, I just don't think this is, it, it could be the precursor to it, but it's certainly not where he's going to get on a microphone and say, oh, I'm coming back to, to Malmo. Yeah, you know, yeah, you right know I, I there's been a lot of speculation, and I can make a really good argument, as you can, yeah. for both sides of yep, that. Yep. But I don't think anybody really knows yet because Zlatan has tagged on the playoffs and talked about how much he hates the playoffs. But you and I know the playoffs can be super exciting, yep. even if for pe- people who are used to the European style. I'm a big playoff fan. I mean, it, if you're a Galaxy fan, your team is fifth right now. You're way behind LAFC. The season's over. But no, it's not. You still got a shot. We, it's a you know this playoff is a crapshoot. You can still win it. In fact, only three times since two thousand three, since two thousand two, has a team in MLS won the Supporters Shield and the playoffs. Yep. So that, MLS Cup. So that means everyone's got a shot. If Salata has an exciting run through these four games, that plays really well. There's some you know uh, emotional games. He's a big crowd for MLS Cup final. I could definitely see him saying, you know what? This playoff thing is awesome. I want to do this again. Yeah, I I could see that as well. Uh, You know, Zlatan also apparently... I don't know how much to really read into this, but if you're if you like the fun Ferrari talk, Zlatan apparently bought himself uh, a very, very, very rare 
uh, Ferrari, uh, Ferrari Monza SP2. Um, apparently costs about $1.72 million, by the way, and only uh, 400, I think he's one of only 499 people to own this particular model of car. Zero to 60 in 2.9 seconds with a top speed of 186 miles per hour. I just thought that was interesting. I don't know. I don't know what? if it's true. He put, he said, happy birthday Zlatan. He took a picture of it. So I don't know if that means he bought it or he didn't buy it or what. There is a test track not far from Dignity Health Sports Park, right there off the 405 in Avalon. Uh, that would be a great place for him to go over and drive that. And that's probably not one of those in Malmo. I, I was going to say, there's, you know, the, the, the Porsche people might have something to say about them. You driving a Ferrari on their racetrack, however. so If it's Zlatan? It, even if it's Zlatan, especially if it's Zlatan. It's like Ferrari, Zlatan. It, it, Porsche then might change it to a Ferrari uh, yeah, it, it very well could. Uh, LA Galaxy to host a watch party at Dignity Health Sports Park uh, coming up on October 20th. Uh, so the watch party at Legends Plaza for the Galaxy's match against Minnesota United on October 20th. Event is free and open to the public. You can bring your own seating. Uh, food trucks will be on site. Uh, just a reminder, outside alcohol is prohibited. Clear bag policy in effect. First 1,000 fans in attendance will receive an LA Galaxy playoff t-shirt. Uh, I thought the interesting thing about this is, see, you, you know that the LA, we should actually do that right now. You don't know unless you already know, but I'll tell you, even if you do know, uh, the LA Galaxy already have their schedule set for the next two games. Uh, they know when they're playing and where they're playing. They just have to win the first game in order to get to that second game. So the LA Galaxy, October 20th, 5.30 p.m. kickoff time, ESPN and ESPN Deportes, the Galaxy will travel to Allianz Field against Minnesota United on that October 20th date. Then, And if, if they win, what happens, Josh? October 24th, October 24th, the LA Galaxy would travel to LAFC for an El Trafico Conference semifinal matchup. And you know what? You can't drive a Ferrari in El Trafico. No, you can't. It won't go very far to overheat, I'm sure. Um, so anyway, so uh, you look at this, and that is the schedule. So they have these, and the Galaxy said they'll do a watch party for that other game on the October 24th, the uh, the El Trafico, if it comes about, uh, at the plaza there as well. So sort of getting you, yourself ready for that. Yes. You talk about Zalatan getting excited by the playoffs. Do you think he wants to play that game? Yes, and he's talked about it. He wants it, and everybody wants it. And, you know, if there's soccer gods somewhere in this world, we get it. Because I don't know that there would be a bigger game in Major League Soccer that you could point to in maybe the last 10 years than, you know, a Galaxy versus LAFC, El Trafico with a game with playoff implications. You, you know, Zlatan, you said, you know, Zlatan says that he hates the playoffs or he doesn't like that format and the whole deal. But I mean, really, the playoffs were made for somebody like Zlatan Ibrahimovic to. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So I, again, I'm not, not totally buying that. I'm sort of with you on that one in, in terms of uh, how that all goes. But anyway, that's the schedule now. Um, I, I want to clear up some things as well. I, I've tweeted out and sort of made known, and Kevin, I'm sure you could, you, you've done this as well, is, you know, we've said that the LA Galaxy do not have a home playoff game basically for the first two games, but it doesn't mean that, one, the LA Galaxy can't have a home playoff game, and two, it doesn't mean that LA Galaxy can't host MLS Cup if they got there. Um, the Galaxy would host the Western Conference Final if either Portland or FC Dallas advance from their games. The Galaxy would, of course, have to beat Minnesota and then beat LAFC. And then if it was, you know, Portland or if it was FC Dallas who was coming out of that bottom bottom side of the bracket, the Galaxy would host. All you have to do is be yeah. the higher seed on this. 
Right, make it a little easier. The Galaxy are the, are the fifth seed. They have to be the higher seed, so they only six and seven. That's right. We're the only two teams that they could host, so that would be Portland and Dallas. But their chances of, if they got to MLS Cup, Kevin, are actually even better than hosting the Western Conference Final. They could host MLS Cup, and that is because they have a better record than Toronto. They have a better record than D.C. United. They have a better record than New York Red Bulls, and they have a better record than Bruce Arena's New England Revolution. So the LA Galaxy would host MLS Cup if they got to that point, if any of those other teams advance. I, now, people said we're giving me... I got massive amounts of crap for tweeting that out, Kevin. Those are those are facts. That is how the bracket actually lays out. I wanted to make sure people didn't think that there was no chance for the Galaxy ever to have a home playoff game in the playoffs. That's not true. They have two chances. They just have to get through the first two in order to have it. And quite honestly, the likelihood of either Dallas or Portland getting past Real Salt Lake or Seattle are probably pretty slim. So, you know, the chances of that probably go out the window. But the MLS Cup thing stands. And, and everybody wants to sort of maybe forget that a little bit, except that in 2012, when the LA Galaxy finished, I think, last in the Western Conference, and Houston Dynamo finished last in the Eastern Conference, and everybody, and I, I remember saying this, the only way the LA Galaxy could host MLS Cup is if the Houston Dynamo make it to the MLS Cup from the Eastern side. And guess what? Houston Dynamo made it from the Eastern side, and the Galaxy ended up hosting MLS Cup. They hosted it in 2011 and 2012 in back-to-back years, and everything sort of went fine with that. So there are well, chances. So you're saying I have a chance. So, By the way, I've been promised off the record two things. Yes. The Galaxy host MLS Cup final. Mm-hmm. First of all, I'm told that, that they will serve enchiladas in the press box. Okay. And the Galaxy enchiladas are amazing. As you, You've never tried them. They're great. And the second thing is that uh, Malia Emma will sing the national anthem. So I have those two things off the record. But I don't believe either one of them. And the reason that's I don't believe them is because MLS is in charge of the, the press facilities and the catering and everything for MLS Cup Final. And I know this because the last time the Galaxy played uh, MLS Cup Final at home, the seating arrangements and everything was was totally different than it was during the regular season game because MLS came in and took over. Yep, nope, that happens. That's exactly So no enchiladas, no Malia Emma. No enchiladas, no Malia Emma. That's right. Um, Yeah, no, so the LA Galaxy, again, uh, in that fifth seed there in the Western Conference, um, playing the fourth seed in Minnesota, LAFC the one, possibly their next matchup. Uh, Salt Lake at three, Portland at six, Seattle at two, Dallas at seven. So that's what it looks like for these uh, these games that are coming up. Now, uh, the interesting thing, the thing that you had hinted at, Kevin, um, the thing that I, I, I ferreted out, actually, it's, it was sort of known, and I just remembered it whenever it happened, is that uh, everything's not all great fine and dandy over at Allianz Field for October 20th. Um, Oct- on October 19th, uh, there is a college football game being played at Allianz Field. I'm not making this up, I swear. Um, and so this, this football game, I believe, has been planned for quite some time. Um, and so this is something that could affect the field and the, uh, the, the quality of the pitch there at Allianz uh, Stadium. So it, it's something to keep an eye on. The other thing to sort of keep an eye on, Kevin, that you and I had been talking about, uh, by the way, St. John's University hosts the University of St. Thomas um, so it's the, I think it's the Johnny Tommy football game it's is what they call the, it. The Saint Bowl. You know, it's, I swear they call it Johnny Tommy. I, I don't make this stuff up. Anyway, the other thing to look at there is the weather. Uh, currently now, listen, we're way far out. Okay. We're like super far. You know, you can't trust the weather or anything past like three or four days. But if we, if we look out, we look at the, the possible forecast for this game, Kevin, um, Saturday, October 19th right now shows PM showers. So you could have 
a college football game that gets played in the showers um, and tears up the field for a game that then will be played on October 20th, probably with football lines on the field. I'm guessing there's football lines. I'm guessing there's no way to sort of do that. But you could have a field that's all torn up. And Kevin, you were right right in saying that uh, the last time the Galaxy went to Minnesota, the field was, was not in great shape. No, it was horrible. And if you remember, uh, Julian Araujo got hurt in that game because of the bad turf. And uh, Zlatan pulled up a couple of divots at least. And then by halftime, he had just gone into survival mode. He didn't come out of the game, but he he stopped running basically unless the ball you know was coming right to him. The idea was he wanted to conserve himself. He knew that the, the turf was bad and didn't want to suffer the same uh, fate that Julian Araujo uh, suffered. So he kind of just went into shuffle mode and didn't really – I don't want to say he didn't try, but he certainly wasn't running all out because the turf was giving. Uh, I've been told that they resodded the turf. They've redone the turf. It's supposedly better. I've heard other MLS players continue to complain about it. But regardless, let's say they put in the, the best carpet uh, of all time. You're going to play a football game, a, a tackle football game, perhaps in the rain, um, less than 20 hours, uh, 24 hours before there's no way to, to, to fix it up after that. You, you get what you get. And that's the reason why, by the way, if you look closely, the Galaxy always play the day before the Chargers play. It, 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 you're probably going to be able to find one exception. But for the most part, the soccer comes before the football. And the reason is because the football tears the turf up. Yep, yep, and they've they've relayed some grass there at at Dignity Health Sports Park already to to sort of counteract that and do all that. Uh, I also have some breaking news. I wish I had like a cool breaking news sort of thing that I could do. I mean, it's not really. I, it was breaking news whenever I found out about it a couple hours ago, but I don't think anybody's sort of repeated it or said anything about it since I asked. Uh, the Galaxy will be chartering to Minnesota, uh, so they will be chartering a flight to Minnesota, which probably makes sense. I imagine that they're going to charter back from Minnesota as well. Um, that would be more important if they won. They it, absolutely and. If they win, then it's a short week. Again, they play on the 20th. Their next game would be on the 24th. It would be a short week, but they come back to L.A. So it looks like chartering uh, to and from Minnesota, which is a pretty probably a pretty good call. As Kevin, you and I were discussing earlier today, it's hard to get to Minnesota sometimes. It, it's, it's impossible. It's really <laughs> tough. And um, a couple of things about this. You know, the Galaxy, I did the math earlier today. The Galaxy averaged the game every seven days. Actually, it's less than seven. It's like 6.8. So for 30 weeks, they play every seven days. Now before the biggest game of the year, they have 13 days off. Um, if you look at LAFC, they have 17 days off. They because they played more U.S. Open Cup games. They had a, a, a game actually every six days during the regular season. So now they get an eight, a 17 day break. And I asked, I talked to Tyler Miller about this a couple of days ago, just looking ahead to the playoffs. And he said, "Yeah," he, he said, "There's nothing we can do about it. It's, that's the MLS schedule. We just have to deal with it." But his big fear was not so much the long layoff. It's the fact that their first game which could be against the Galaxy, will come against the team that played a game just four days before. So whoever they play, if it's the Galaxy, they've had a chance to sort of rub off that rust from the long layoff. They're going to be ready to play. They're going to be back in their rhythm of playing a couple of games a week, which you know teams have done all year. And that's the thing. You can look at it and say, well, yeah, David Bingham gets a chance to, to, to recuperate and rest. Joe Corona can get healthy. But the players, the rest of the players, the guys who aren't hurt, they're in a rhythm of playing every you know, few days, a couple times a week, at least every once every week. Um, and, and when they get out of that, they're going to feel slow, lethargic. The first 15 minutes of this playoff game, uh, mark my word, the first 15 minutes is going to look a little bit choppy. And whichever team gets through that first 15 minutes, 
you know, feeling good about where they are and feeling fit, I, I think they're going to have a huge advantage. Yeah, Dave Romney said the same thing. He said, you know, you get in a pretty good rhythm whenever you can go, uh, you know, play a game and then have a day uh, sort of off for rest and recovery and then get back to some light training and then play another game. You know, like you just sort of get in that rhythm. And he goes, and your legs are used to it and your body's used to it and it just feels good, um, you know, after a while. So it'd be, hey, you know, it's always interesting. The, the, the MLS really tried to go out of their way to make sure that the momentum of the playoffs wasn't killed. And I know there's lots of people who are complaining because, you know, they basically you have all this time off in between, but this is MLS abiding by, you know, an international break. And now they're going to squeeze in the playoffs and get everything done, including MLS Cup before the next international break. So you're looking at a tournament right now that's going to come fast and hard as soon as they get back to playing on October 19th, October 20th, and then carrying quickly through. So it, it's And it's it, single elimination for the first time. Single elimination. Anything can happen. Roll the dice. You only got to win four games to be MLS Cup champions if you uh, are in on the first round. Four games gets you an MLS Cup. If that's not enough motivation for you, and and by the way, that's hard to do. You know, you sit there and say, hey, four games in a row, that's that's not easy. Um, and for the LA Galaxy team that, you know, probably, uh, I, I, I remember they've won three games in a row. Have they won four games in a row at any point? Yeah, in April. They had that really good streak in April. So, so, they, did, so they did it, but it's really hard to do. But somebody's going to do it. Somebody's going to win four games or somebody's going to win three games in a row from those first, uh, first round buys. Somebody's going to win these games. So somebody's going to do it. Um, it might as well be the LA Galaxy, and I certainly think but, they have the the players to be able to do it. But how would you like to be Dallas, who needed, you know, were, were scuffling, they really needed a, a win, and they they won six nothing in their last game, and they're flying into the playoffs, and then it's like, oh, well, hold on, come back in t- a couple of weeks, and we'll have another game for you, or or LAFC, who look, you know, they they have struggled recently uh, for them, and they looked really good. It, granted, it was Colorado, but Colorado was hot, and and LAFC looked pretty good in that three one win. Um, those teams, man, they were itching to get into the playoffs, and now they got two weeks to rest. Conversely, maybe this does help the Galaxy, the only team that lost its final, the only playoff team that lost its final two games. Maybe on one hand they get to get healthy and they get to, to you know, go back to the the the, the chalkboard start over again. On the other hand, they've got two weeks to think about these last two games, and they don't get a chance to get out there and make it better. That's one thing you hear from athletes in every sport. After a poor performance, they want to get right back out there to prove that that wasn't who they really are. And the Galaxy now, rather than getting the chance to prove uh, that that's not who they are, they got two weeks to think about it. It'd be interesting to see the, the mental side of this. Is Dave Romney's right about the physical side, but the mental side, uh, the Galaxy have to sort of sit here and think about it. Maybe it fires them up. Yeah, uh, yeah. I was gonna say, you know, this this game is played by uh, by grownups. I mean, you have to be a grownup. You have to be mentally tough. You have to be physically tough. Uh, and all that leads up to a single elimination tournament that might be some of the most exciting soccer we've ever seen in Major League Soccer. Um, I actually think that, you know, these next you know, couple of weeks, once you get into the playoffs, is going to be, you know, extremely enticing. You're going to be in Minnesota? Yes, you are. You're, go- you're headed will. to Minnesota. I am going to Minnesota. Yep, so we'll have uh, the Positive Panda will be uh, in coverage there. Uh, by the way, uh, Pato right now seems grounded. Uh, he he's trying to take off and go to Minnesota. He wants to he wants to go there for the winter. Uh, he wants to see that game. Uh, he just has to do a lot of sweet talking in order for that to happen. So as of right now, no Pato in Minnesota, but uh, Pato's Pat, Pato's working hard to uh, to make that fly it's just north. The, lo- the lovely and talented Michaela is not allowing you to go. Huh? Yeah, well, you know, I, yeah. if you had bought her a house with air conditioning, she, she might she might not go. be so angry. Larry Morgan was enjoying the Panda fan, by the way. So oh, good. yes, he was. He was like, oh, that's a nice fan. I'm like, Panda got me got me that fan. He's like, that's a good call. I'm like, yeah, I thought so. Too too so all right uh i think that's it do we have anything else we're we're good i mean la galaxy coming up october 20th 
5.30 p.m. ESPN, ESPN Deportes, the viewing party over at Dignity Health Sports Park. We got that all covered. You sort of wrapped it up. Uh, I have a special treat on Thursday night, the live show. Uh, Larry Morgan on Twitter in studio with me here. So we'll have that. I don't know what we'll talk about. We'll find something to talk about, though, um, as we get you ready for, uh, you know, another weekend of no soccer until you get to, uh, you know, the weekend of soccer. So a, a lot of stuff upcoming and, and quickly, rapidly approaching, as we say. So anything- are you are you? Are you past, by the way, are you past the hoopla of, of the 700th show? Is that gone now? No, no, people are still tweeting. You're going to lose your friggin' mind when you get to a thousand. I was, <laughs> yeah, I was, I was saying, I don't think, uh, I don't think I left a lot of room for, for sort of topping 700. Uh, so it, it, maybe 800's a quiet night at home with some, with some alcohol. I have no idea. Uh, but, you know, we'll worry about that next year whenever we get to 800. So we'll see how that goes. All right. Uh, that's it. I'm done. I'm calling it. All right. If you're looking for Mr. Kevin Baxter on Twitter, it's at kbaxter11. And head on over to latimes.com for all of the pandas, the positive pandas, wonderful soccer coverage over there at latimes.com covering all of soccer in Southern California and around the United States. Make sure you follow him, U.S. Men's National Team, U.S. Women's National Team. That's him, Positive Panda, Kevin Baxter, L.A. Times. All right, if you're looking for me on Twitter, it's at jgesman, J-G-U-E-S-M-A-N, and of course, at Galaxy Podcast. Cornerofthegalaxy.com is where you can find all of our shows, all of our videos, all of our podcasts, our articles, our previews, our recaps, our merchandise, stickers, scarves, coasters, uh, all that fun stuff can be found. Cornerofthegalaxy.com, head on over there and, uh, and help keep the show right rocking and rolling. All right, I think that about does it. Uh, LA Galaxy into postseason territory now. Playoff game coming up on October 20th against Minnesota United. For Positive Panda, Kevin Baxter, I'm Josh Gessman. You've been listening to Corner of the Galaxy from the box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. Have a great one, everybody. You've been listening to the Corner of the Galaxy from the box podcast on cornerofthegalaxy.com. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Galaxy Podcast. And be sure to check out and subscribe to iTunes, Stitcher, and Facebook by searching for Corner of the Galaxy. And for all of your independent LA Galaxy news, discussion, and entertainment, including this podcast, head on over to cornerofthegalaxy.com. Fans, thanks for listening. We ask that you be kind and courteous to your neighbors as you leave the podcast. We thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you again. Until then, I'm Michael Arajo, and on behalf of the entire Corner of the Galaxy crew, Goodbye, everybody.